The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Money Yard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's been a very busy day here. A lot of content over at jeanspage.com. If you hadn't been by, go check it out. Got some free content, got some VIP stuff. Broke down Gabe Cavazos, new Bulldog commitment. We'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, Paul Jones got some stuff up on some 2022 kids. And so we're working on all that stuff right now. If you're not a member of jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports, all month long we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary, 10-year birthday of 247 Sports. You can get an annual subscription at Jeans Page at 50% off. That's right, 50% off. So let me encourage you, go buy, check it out. You'll have full access to our experts, be able to come hang with us. Get your questions answered, and you will be the most informed Mississippi State fan among your circle of friends. How about that? Come by, check us out. We're happy doing what we do. It is a passion for us, and I'll, I'll share what you do. Everybody on our staff is a bulldog, and we've got over 100 years' experience. I mean, listen, between Dave and Mike Nemeth, that's the bulk of it, right? You know, but Paul Jones and I are around the same age. You know, we've been covering bulldogs for 20 years, you know, and so we've got – a lot of insight that other members of the media don't have. There are a lot of people, too, that are kind of Johnny-come-latelys, and I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying that they don't have the wealth of information and the wealth of resources and a respect for Bulldog history, perhaps, that we do. I think that's one of the things that sets us apart. I've always shared with our group, it doesn't matter if the news is good, bad, or indifferent. I think it comes better from us. I think Mississippi State fans would rather hear it from us than they would from, say, the Clarion Ledger. And uh, listen, all due respect to the ledger and the guys that work there and do a good job. My point being, though, is that, uh, you know, we're going to understand how this is going to work out, what it means for Mississippi State. We do our best to kind of share that with you. Come by, check us out. Again, that's jeanspage.com. Want to remind you, too, Bulldog Burger Company, you talk about winners. There you go. Winners. The, the hamburger wars of Starkville have been won by the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. You need to go by and check them out. Now with two locations to serve you, right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Mississippi. Part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. Listen, these people, you're not going to teach them anything about fine dining or about casual dining or just a family night out because they know it all. Listen, this is a, these people understand what it takes to feed folks and give your family a great opportunity to have a great meal. Go by and find your favorites. I've shared many times the pimentology at bacon. That's the boneyard burger. That's the one that I say, you know what, this is the one 
kind of came out of nowhere out of left field. I didn't know that I was going to fall in love until I took the first bite. You will too. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. That'll make you and everybody around you better looking, and we all need more of that. Get that chocolate shake to go too, kids. I know, listen, listen, the bottom line is you want dessert, but sometimes you don't want to wait for it. When you get about halfway through your meal, go ahead and let your server know, hey, listen, I think we're going to have chocolate milkshakes all the way around to go and they'll go ahead and get those ready for you and as you're paying the check you can already begin enjoying some uh some sugary goodness there bulldog burger company the place in starkville and tupelo where people go to meet m-e-a-t so a lot has happened since we have been together you know monday we uh you know we honored and and respected the great memory of dj looney I th- if you haven't seen it you lafayette had a great video yesterday uh, great, great video. I had a couple of Mississippi State clips in there. Uh, great video kind of showed DJ for who he was, and, uh, and that's, so, that's still so difficult to say, you know. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, and it's not because he's not worthy of it. It's just that uh, I spent a lot of time talking about it on Monday, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I don't know that I've got the emotional investment left uh, to put in today. It has been such an emotional thing. I've had so many people reach out. Man, some former players, man, that I haven't heard from in years that uh, have reached out you know, to try to get some details or whatever and say, hey, listen, what have you heard about this? Just saw this on Twitter. and It's been great to kind of reconnect, but I'll share with you, man. There's been so many people that have had so many great stories and say, do you remember this when this happened? Do you remember this? And you remember when he said this? Remember when he did this? And, and learned a lot, too, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff from the locker room. And, uh, you know, but the DJ was a kind of a coach in waiting. You know what I'm saying? He was one of those guys that, uh, you know, we all knew he wasn't going to be an NFL player. You know, and, but he was a guy that loved the game of football. And so it's, uh, it's been great. It really has been great. And I uh, think so much of the way UL Lafayette has kind of honored him and, and he and his family. And so best of luck to all of them. Thoughts and prayers to the entire family. So fall championships. So th- there's been some discussion about some of this stuff too. And so I'm going to do my best to kind of detail it out for you. So for some reason, every week, you know, there's this meeting with the Board of Governors and, and people keep trying to project, oh, they're going to cancel fall championships. That's going to happen. What well, hasn't happened? And uh, as I shared with you guys earlier in the week, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sure you recall when they unceremoniously canceled the College World Series, the Women's College World Series and all spring sports and championships and everything else. And it happened so prematurely. And listen, I don't know if hindsight, if it was the right idea or not. I don't know. Only history will be able to judge that. But we really made that decision, you know, without really taking some time to gather information. It, was just, it seemed to be a really knee-jerk reaction. And I think that's one of the reasons it led to so much of this college sports angst and anxiety that we're all dealing with now. Because people thought, hey, well, there really wasn't a lot to that before. And we canceled that, so let's cancel this too. Well, at some point, we got to stop canceling life. So the NCAA elects not to take a position, and they've really kicked a lot of this stuff back to the conferences, which, to be honest with you, I think is probably the smart play. Because you may recall Mark Emmert made the announcement about canceling the spring championships, and there was you know, kind of some swift reaction out there nationally. I know Greg Sankey was one that kind of got the news. I think it was during like an SEC network telecast. And, uh, you know, they kind of asked him for comment, and he was somewhat caught unaware. And I think that's the wrong way to do business. I think everybody would agree 
that the NCAA should never just make these unilateral decisions without the input, at least of the conferences. I think guys like Greg Sankey and uh, you know the, the you know the Power Five conference uh, commissioners deserve a chance to be heard, whether they're listened to or not. Whether you take their advice or follow their their protocol, at the very least, they deserve to be heard from. And I believe that's the main reason you've seen the NCAA kind of tiptoe around this deal and say, "Hey, you know, we're going to put it back on the leagues, and they can decide." Because here's what's going to happen. You know, we have talked about this for years. Hey, we say, hey, we need to break through from NCAA. You know, I don't know that I agree with that, but uh, I would say this: there is probably a greater chance of that happening now than at any time in our history because of the fact, and, you know, here's the deal. There are a lot of college athletic departments that are reaping the benefits of being a member of the NCAA without really contributing much. I mean, tons. There are some schools that are just a drag on the membership. You know, I mentioned this earlier on Gene's page uh, in an article. It's like, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, and you can say, yeah, well, Steve, some schools have more political clout than others. Well, when it gets down to the membership agreement, Alabama and Alabama A&M have the same vote. That's just how it works. Now, do you think Alabama A&M, I'm just picking on them, okay, but let's just say, you know, a small FCS school like that, that, that many of those schools have no business playing Division I basketball because, you know, there's, there is no, there's just a Division I basketball, you know, full scholarship. And so, what's it, 326 schools? I mean, it goes up every single year. I remember when it used to be like 118, and it grew and grew and grew, and then it was no longer the requirement to field a, a Division I football team. It's just, it's insane. But you've got teams like nobody's going to tune in, you know, to watch Mississippi Valley play Prairie View except for their fans. And many of them are not going to watch either. I think I shared with you guys here a few weeks back, Mississippi Valley State, the lowest ticket draw in the country for football, the lowest. But they're a full voting member in NCAA. And so it's one of those things you look at and say, okay, well, listen, Mississippi State played, you know, BYU at 11 o'clock. I'm going to rush home. I'm going to watch Alabama, Georgia in primetime. And uh, I'm going to help ESPN, you know, <laughs> rake in millions of dollars uh, to help supplement, you know, the SEC and the SEC network. Because I want to see what happens. I want to know who wins between Alabama and Georgia. I don't really care what happens with those other schools. You know, listen – I don't care if Long Beach State wins a basketball game. I, it, it, it's not on my radar. You know, I'm sure, that, and that's no disrespect to them. I'm sure there are a lot of people that, are, that love their school as much as we love ours. But at the end of the day, this is a matter of economics. And so the NCAA understands that the Power Five schools, you know, the Ohio States, the LSUs, the Georgias, the Floridas, the Texas of the world, if we all kind of got together and say, you know what? We're kind of tired of paying the freight for everybody. We're going to go negotiate our own deal. And so, you know, the NCAA March Madness deal with CBS runs out in a few years. They may decide, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just go ahead and split, and we'll negotiate our own deal. Because there's not going to be, there's not really going to be much interest in an NCAA tournament without the Power 5 basketball schools. Can we agree on that? I mean, yeah, that would be great for Gonzaga. I know so many of you, some of you basketball hipsters, uh, you want Gonzaga to be a national power, and they're not. They're not. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Mark Few and those guys didn't do a great job there building a program. They're not Kentucky. They're not North Carolina. They're not Duke. Stop it. Stop it. 
but without Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina and Arizona and uh, Michigan, I still I still remember the Fab Five, and I, I still you can take down the banners, you can't take away my memories. But without those schools, without the blue bloods of college basketball, without the major college programs, the March Madness loses a lot of its luster. And so let's say that all 65 Power Five schools decide, you know what, we're going to have our own tournament. We're going to have our own college baseball tournament. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to fully fund baseball. We're going to fully fund baseball. And then you guys, you guys that are in the G5, you're not going to get anybody of value because all the guys, we're going to be able to pay full scholarships for these kids. And so it's not going to be an evil recruiting field. So all the best players are going to come here. And then they're going to get the best deal because they're going to be on television more. They're going to get more exposure. They're going to have an opportunity to play themselves into a pro sports opportunity. But in the event that they don't, they'll be able to build more of a brand because they're going to be on television. They'll have a name that people know. And then meanwhile, Gonzaga can go beat Marist in the Final Four and everybody will act like it's a big deal. But it won't be. It'll be a big deal to them, but it won't be nationally because people want to see Kentucky, North Carolina. You know, it's listen, as great as it was, you know, what, 25 years ago when Coppin State made the run to the Sweet 16, you know, we all love that's – the, that's the, we love the first weekend of the tournament because so much craziness happens. But it's very rare for Butler to go to the national championship game. You know, it happened, and I, I, honestly, I think they should have won. But the bottom line is this, is that, you know, we root for Cinderella because we, we think it one day that maybe we could be that team. You know, we root for upsets because we like to see chaos, and, and chaos works in college basketball when it comes tournament time. Upsets draw viewers. But at the end of the day, we want to see the Blue Bloods play. We want to see a lot of them get beat, too. You, I mean, how many of you love to see Duke lose? Most people. And it's because they're the New York Yankees of college basketball. And nobody's helping the New York Yankees. Nobody's helping Duke. But everybody respects Duke. They respect Coach K. But you want to see them lose. And so if the NCAA no longer had that as a drawing card, what do they have to offer? You want to talk about distancing the Power 5 schools, you know, the haves from the have-nots, and we're already there in many respects. But you want to see a difference in facilities. Just think of the palaces that we'll build not having to drag those other schools along. You don't think that CBS would rather have a deal with the biggest schools in the country? Because regardless of what your friends tell you, nobody cares about Dayton Flyer basketball outside of the state of Ohio. I know it's cool to talk about that in your group text and on message boards and that kind of stuff. Oh, I love that two-guard at Dayton. You don't know anything. But that's what happens. Is, you know, we become college basketball hipsters. But the bottom line is those schools don't draw ratings. And here's the deal, and this is the thing, too, that's so, so much lost in media today. And, I, and, listen, we deal with it. You know, listen, we have a great economic model at 247 Sports that is so much better than anything we ever had with Scout. But the bottom line is this, is you have to build quality content as a vehicle to move your monetization. And so it's like, hey, they can have the best ad package in the world, but if we don't write things that are interesting to Mississippi State people, we don't get the cash in. And it's the same thing with NCAA tournament. If the NCAA tournament, they decide, hey, we're going to do this, but, hey, we, we form another organization, do you think CBS is going to load the, the NCAA tournament up? They're not. 
You, you think the College World Series is big now? Just imagine how big it would be if some of the best baseball players in America, the best prospects, rather than going pro, went to college. And what if you're able to play more of those games on television? Whether it be on the, you know, the, the SEC network or the Big 12 network, what if you're able to televise all college baseball games? And you could have a deal to monetize all of that stuff. You know, I don't know about you guys. You know, I cover every Mississippi State game baseball-wise that I can get to home or away. And sometimes I can't. And I love the fact that I've got the SEC network. And there are times, you know, when there is a conflict and we'll be watching, you'll have to go cover a women's basketball game or something because it's usually around tournament time. And it's nice to be able to turn my phone on and, and hear Bart Gregory and those guys, you know, talking about Mississippi State playing baseball. And it doesn't matter to me who we're playing. But there's going to be some interesting dynamics with all that stuff if we move forward. And so I'm not saying that you're going to see the shift, but I think right now the Power Five schools, for the first time in a long time, we've talked a lot about how student-athletes are kind of you know, recognizing their power. I think the Power Five schools are kind of, you know, kind of throwing their weight around a little bit with the NCAA to kind of get what they want. And I think the fact that the Board of Governors has been kind of slow to act on this stuff is kind of evidence of that. Uh, look for soccer and some other sports to probably start a little earlier. You know, James Armstrong and the group announced yesterday it was reporting day. They got a good first day and got going. Uh, and listen, that's great. You know, we need something to cheer for. And uh, and let's be honest too. You know, soccer is a sport that's played outside. There's not a there, you know I played soccer, so I get it. There's not a lot of uh, you know face to face contact uh, with multiple players. It's not like a football game where you've got 11 people chasing you to tackle you. They're just trying to take the ball from you or get in a passing lane. Uh, so soccer, in many respects, is a very safe game. But here's the thing that I think everybody needs to warm up to, and I think there are some people that are kind of, you know, reluctant to embrace this. People are going to test positive for the virus. As you've seen, you know, recently, you know, Brian Cole was put on the IR by the Minnesota Vikings on the COVID list, and now he's already off of it. Gardner Minshew shows up, is put on IR, uh, because of COVID, he's already off of it. And so there's, there's a lot of, listen, there's a lot of fear with all this, but most people that test positive are recovering quickly. Most. There are some that are not. I'm not trying to make light of that. But there are going to be some positives that are going to take place. And there's a lot of people, too, that said, hey, listen, uh, you know, we're going to have a bunch of kids on campus here pretty soon, and what's going to happen to that? You know, nobody really knows, but th- those people are alive now. It's not like those college kids are all sitting in their rooms with a mask on, uh, sitting around watching uh, cable news. There, there may be some, but these people are not living in a bubble now. They're out interacting with other people their age now. I know because I have two in my family. And so you can take all the precautions and you can talk to your blue in the face. But young people are going to congregate together. It is as simple as that. As I shared with you guys on the show a few days ago, you, you, you want to know where your, your, your players are right now? They're not, at, they're not locked up in Ruby Hall or something under armed guards. They don't, they don't get into uh, you know, some hermetically sealed bus and then take a ride over to practice back and forth. They're not living in some bubble. You can go find them in a cotton district just about every night. So, yeah, we're going to bring more people in. So the math would tell us that, yeah, there's a, there is a bit of a risk. 
but it's not again it's not like we're introducing new people into the world it's not like we're releasing turtles into the wild you know these people are already dealing with the risk of a COVID-19 world and so there will be some positive tests and there will be some people in the media that, that will, ap- will amplify that as possible as much as they can uh, to suggest, oh, my gosh, we need to do this. You know, we all need to get in, go home, put a mask on, and get under the covers and turn the lights out. Um, and so be safe, take care of yourself, but understand there's not going to be, you know, this all of a sudden, uh, you know, a fragile college population introduced back on the campus. I know plenty of people, including somebody in my family, that tested positive for COVID, and they're okay, thank goodness, and then find out yesterday that I have a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, and a niece that tested positive for COVID. And so it's not like it's a situation where, people, where it's just something on television. It's not just something that's happened in some faraway country. For all, I, th- I would guarantee you that all of us know somebody. I know several somebodies that have tested positive for COVID, and, and thankfully, Outside of our friend David Johnson, nobody has really been sick from it. I mean, really gotten, you know, serious circumstances or health, you know, issues is related to it. Uh, and, and every time I talk to Dave, he's getting better and stronger. And uh, to me, that is big, too. That's big. It really is. But uh, there are a lot of people out there that are really struggling. And so our thoughts and prayers are with them as well. But I think, by and large, young people are, are going to be, you know, they're going to be young people. We can say what we want. But they're going to get out. You're not going to be able to keep them in the house. You're not going to be able to ground them. The university's not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. We've got to learn to deal with it. Uh, as you guys are aware, Big Ten came out with their schedule today. I think that probably provides the, the SEC little cover. Uh, not that Greg Sankey needs it, but I think there will be some urgency now. I understand there's supposed to be a call tomorrow. There's always these meetings. And I understand that the, uh, the league athletic directors have – usually two two conference calls a week with Greg Sankey, two times a week. And so we got camp settled on Tuesday. And so the hope is we'll get the schedule settled on Thursday, hopeful for a Friday announcement, hopeful. Not guaranteeing that, but I'm hearing there's a good chance we know by Friday. Could know tomorrow, I guess. But uh, they are working through some models, and I understand they're fielding you know, concerns and complaints from everybody and kind of trying to figure this thing out. It's not going to be one of these things, though, that uh, it's, it's going to be a one-off type schedule. You know what I'm saying? It's like this year is an anomaly. So let's get through this year, and then we'll get back on our regular rotation next year. That's what I'm hearing that we'll do. It's just how do we do it fair this year? How do we make it equitable for everybody? It's going to be almost impossible to do. It's an impossible task, but there are a lot of people smarter than you and I that are working on that. And I have a lot of confidence in those people. I, I, for, I have been very critical over the years of the SEC office. I honestly believe that Greg Sankey might be the best SEC commissioner uh, of my lifetime. And some would say, well, you know, Steve, you had Roy Kramer and they brought him the SEC championship game. And listen, he was truly a visionary. But I believe that that conference was really one about the haves. For the first time in a long time, I think there is a lot of parity in the SEC. And I give Greg Sankey a lot of credit for that, uh, for helping kind of bring the rest of the league along. Be that as it may, um, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Because no matter what, who we get, people are going to complain. No matter, Listen, they could give us Ole Miss three times and people would say we got screwed. You know, I mean, the bottom line is this, is that uh, they're going to put a schedule together that is best for the entire league, not what's necessarily best for Mississippi State. But I expect us to get 
a winnable game and a challenging game, whether it be Vanderbilt and Georgia, which I'm beginning to think it's probably not going to happen. But let's say they give us Florida and South Carolina and say we go to the swamp and then South Carolina comes here. Yeah, I, I still expect a split. Because when I begin to think about it, I talked to Mike Nemeth about it extensively. Mike, you know, Mike was responsible for a lot of scheduling for Mississippi State during his years on campus. And so he is a guy that is, uh, I seek his counsel about matters of this. I said, you know what, Mike, what makes sense? You know this process better than me. You know, what makes sense? He was the first person that kind of threw a flag on the whole, let's just take Vandy, Georgia, because he said, you know, because it doesn't just change this year, it changes the next year and the next year and the next year and the next year. You know, and so you've got to do something this year that is kind of unique for this year because of some unique circumstances. Speaking of unique, one of the, you know, the, we've got these, uh, you know, these whistleblowers that come out here. As soon as there is any potential negative news, they shout it from the rooftops, UConn cancels football. Well, there's a lot more to that. And they're saying, well, it's because of an abundance of caution. And that's a phrase that I hope I never hear again because it's been so overused. Listen, just call it what it is. And so, listen, I'm sure that's a factor for UConn, but here's the thing most people don't understand. UConn is a football independent. And so with the Big Ten going to conference only, with the SEC going to conference only, with the ACC playing conference plus one, where is UConn going to get games? you got a lot of FCS goals that, you know, they got some FCS conferences that are going to you know, push to the spring. And so when you've got the ACC out there throwing around money for one, one game, there are some schools that are going to be able to cash in. And so – Unless UConn was going to join the ACC for one year this year and play an ACC schedule, and and all that on the road, mind you, it didn't make sense. And so I'm not the least bit surprised that UConn canceled football. That has absolutely nothing to do with Mississippi State. That's got nothing to do with the SEC or Power Five football or really Division One football as a whole. That's about UConn. We discussed on this show not too long ago about the rev share that everybody wants. And I share with you then that UConn's losing over $3 million a year on women's basketball alone. You can go look at the numbers yourself. UConn is one of the most, I guess you'd say, I want to be kind when I say this. I don't want, but it's one of those, I hate to say it's mismanaged, but you can say they are out of balance in a major way when it comes to athletic spending at UConn. Uh, the women's basketball program is the national brand. So they're going to invest in their branding, and it loses them a ton of money. And so when you begin to look at the totality of that whole UConn athletic department, you can see this is really the only decision they could make because they weren't going to be able to get games, and they weren't going to be able to have home games. Who was going to come to UConn to play? And so it's like, okay, so we could probably get a game you know, with some you know, three or four FCS schools. Well, who's going to pay to come see that? People are going to put themselves at risk. You know, to watch us play the Mississippi School of Math and Sciences? No, it's not going to happen. So, again, it's got nothing to do with anybody else. Don't let these people get you all juiced up. Oh, my gosh, this, this, these people canceled. It's like, it, it's so crazy how life works. The Big Ten announces a schedule. The SEC finalizes camp. Uh, and then you've got people that are kind of moving games around so they can play August 29th, which is 24 days away. And everybody hears that, but they don't absorb it. But then all of a sudden, UConn, UConn cancels football. And listen, some people on Jeans page said, I didn't know they had a football team. But that's what we focus on. 
it's like automatically we, we have been manipulated by the situation and by some in the media to say, oh, well, goodness, this must be the end of everything. No, it's not. It's just about UConn. I'll remind you, too, if you're looking to smell good, and you should, guys, I'm going to tell you now, I mean, listen, we get out there, we, we work, we sweat. Listen, nowadays you can, you can get a sweat walk at the mailbox. We're in the dog days of summer. But uh, you're going to want to look good and smell good and feel good all the time, no matter the weather. So let me encourage you, visit our friends at hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And use promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings for yourself. Hawthorne, the best cologne I have ever worn. And, and people think I'm just whistling Dixie when I say that. But if you know me, you know I don't fake about such things. I don't. You're going to love it. You get the work scent. You get the play scent. The work scent, listen, the work scent will get you to the work day. But that play scent, that's, that's where you're going to find yourself right there. That's, that's when you're going to open some new doors for yourself. You're going to have you know, people uh, that you're maybe somewhat romantically attracted to will take notice. Guarantee it. Go by, take the short two-minute quiz at hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Take the quiz, and they will pair you up with products that meet. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Your preferences. Again, use promo code BONEYARD to unlock some savings. Okay, so... Top 10 list today comes to you from George Donald. George Donald reached out to me and said, hey, Steve, listen, I have a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Been to see him over a dozen times. Be curious to hear your list. I'll be honest with you, I am not a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, but I have a lot of respect for the boss. Uh, I had the Born in the USA album on cassette. At one point, at some point in my life, I had a Bruce Springsteen record. I don't know where it is now, uh, but I had it. And it's one of those things that maybe I think I wanted in a breakup. You know, it's one of those deals where it just kind of ends up in your, your kind of the memorabilia of your life. But uh, here's some interesting things that I'll share with you about the Bruce Springsteen catalog. There are two really, you know, kind of uh, obscure Bruce Springsteen songs that um, were huge hits for other people. One of those is uh, The Ghost of Tom Joad as covered by Rage Against the Machine. Great cover, uh, kind of a haunting song. 
and I love what they did with the arrangement. You should go check that out. But uh, Blinded by the Light, as covered by Manfred Mann, there are so many people that uh, think that that was a, um, an original, you know, an original from Manfred Mann. It wasn't, it was a Bruce Springsteen song. And again, they, Manfred Mann made it a, a more of a rocking song. But that's a cover song. It's a Bruce Springsteen song. And then one of the best Bruce Springsteen covers, and you hear it every year, it's a Christmas standard. Santa Claus is coming to town. I think Bruce's version is probably the best. But here's my top ten list. You know, you, you, you might disagree, and you might be correct today, honestly, because there are a lot of people out there that are huge Bruce Springsteen fans. I'll be honest with you, of the, uh, you know, of the kind of Midwest rock appeal, I kind of lean more towards John Cougar Mellencamp. But uh, Bruce Springsteen, there's no denying, you know, his place in rock history. You know, doesn't have a great voice, but uh, knows how to use it for sure. So here are my top ten. Number ten, our first glimpse of Courtney Cox came in uh, this video. That's Dancing in the Dark. Uh, Like the sax uh, solo on that one. The video was really cool. Uh, This is when Bruce, I think, kind of really really took a step from being a star to being a superstar in 80s music was with this album and and the video presence on MTV. Number nine for me, Human Touch. A lot of people have have had similar songs, but um, it's one of the things I honestly believe that uh, Bruce Springsteen has a real tender side in his songwriting that uh, is very authentic. You know, a lot of people out there write the ballad because... You know, the record company wants you to write the ballad. You know, they need something to be able to play on adult contemporary radio. I just don't get that with Bruce. And he comes across to me as a guy that, hey, this is, this is my artistic expression, so here it is, uh, and there you go. And uh, number eight, an interesting movie, uh, Philadelphia, Streets of Philadelphia, uh, was, you know, on that soundtrack. That's the Denzel Washington, Tom Hanks movie. Uh, and that, if you recall, for those of you, you younger folks that haven't watched that, that was kind of back in the heights of the AIDS crisis and a very important movie because you had two of America's finest actors really tackling a very difficult topic in our nation's history. And at the time, there was a lot of misunderstanding about that. I mean, and listen, it's still, you know, an, an incredible disease that uh, has to be treated very seriously. But back in those days, it seemed like everybody that got it, it seemed like it was a death sentence. And so that movie was uh, so stirring so if you haven't watched it, maybe you should. But uh, Streets of Philadelphia is one of the songs, too. With or without the movie, I, thought, I think a song really holds up. Uh, number seven, one of the better songs probably in the post-mid-'80s is uh, Secret Garden. Cool song. It's been on some motion picture soundtracks, too. I, I want to say it was on Jerry Maguire, but, I, but I'm guessing. But Secret Garden, a cool song. But one of my favorites from the earlier part of the catalog, and I could have gone higher with this one. I could have. Uh, it's Hungry Heart, because everybody's got a hungry heart. And it, it, I think it's one of Bruce's better vocal performances, especially with the up-tempo stuff. I really like that song. That's a classic song to me. I mean, when, when you hear it, sometimes you, you have to remind yourself that it's Bruce Springsteen, I mean, because it's, it's kind of unlike a lot of other things in the catalog. Uh, number five, this is off the Born in the USA album. It was kind of a minor hit because that album was so huge. Like that, it's one of those albums where there's just not any skips on it. It's like you put on John Cougar, you put on Scarecrow from John Cougar Mellencamp. This is one of those albums too, Born in the USA. 
You just put on Let It Play. If you got the albums like Huey Lewis in the News, that sports album was another one you just kind of put on. There's no skips. You put it on there because even the B-sides were great. And that's what this was. I'm going down. I'm going down. And, again, it's a little different. But I, I think it's kind of true to who Bruce Springsteen is. I think the songwriting is excellent. Number four, this was a huge hit on MTV in the late 80s. And I think the, the guitar on this one is, uh, is really, really strong. And that's Tunnel of Love. Uh, one of those songs that uh, probably kind of an underappreciated classic. It was a huge hit on radio for Bruce. And now we get to the final three. And I think everybody will probably have these in their final three, but maybe not agree on the order. But number three for me is Born in the USA. And, yes, that's a classic. I mean, it's, it's kind of like uh, anything you know, back in those days when we had a real spirit of patriotism. Uh, everybody was blasting that. Born in the USA. It makes you proud to be an American. And that's back in the Ronald Reagan days. You know, that's back when we'd won the Cold War. And so there was a lot of uh, national pride. You know, and that's, you know, we go through cycles. It'll, it'll come back around. But uh, be that as it may, Born in the USA, great song. I love the vocal delivery on it because it's like Bruce is singing from his heart right here. Number two, and if you've ever been to a college baseball game, you've heard this, Glory Days. Uh, again, that's off the Born in the USA album. But uh, Glory Days, everybody has had that, uh, that friend in high school that was a great baseball player. And, and that, the, the song of nostalgia, those are the things that kind of remind you you know, about where you've been. And I, I get caught up in that stuff sometimes, too, And uh, because I get so busy in my day-to-day stuff. I really do. I guess we all do. Uh, but sometimes I get tunnel vision about what am I working on today. Okay, let's get into bed. Let's watch a little Netflix, go to sleep, and get up and do it all again tomorrow. And then every so often, something will happen. It kind of stops you in a dime, and, you, and you, it kind of gives you a minute to reflect. And uh, I've had several of those this year because, unfortunately, I've had several deaths within, uh, you know, my circle of friends and family. And... Um, you know, those are the things that I appreciate when I go home. As a matter of fact, I was home for a funeral here last month, and I ran into a guy I graduated with. Haven't heard from him maybe since the senior night party. And, um, man, it felt so good to see him. And it's like autom- auto- automatically I remember, hey, I remember we went and saw Bon Jovi and Cinderella together back on February 13th, 1987. I remember the day because I had a T-shirt for many years. Went down to Biloxi and watched them play. And it's like, that's what Glory Days reminds me of. Of all those days when life is a little bit simpler. And uh, I, I firmly believe that I'm in my Glory Days now. I know some people that feel like they probably peaked in high school. I, I think that I was a bit of a late bloomer and I'm still in bloom. But number one for me, and I think too, when I think Bruce Springsteen, if you mention the name Bruce Springsteen, this song immediately comes to mind. And that's Born to Run. Uh, I think it is an anthemic song that, uh, it, you know, for people like us, you know, for kind of those that are just kind of discounted, kind of the underdogs, I think that song is kind of an anthem for us. It is it is one of those esprit de corps type songs. It's like, you know what, you know, people like us, we were born to run. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about all that stuff. I, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's, so, there's, there's so many opportunities to be regular and uh, I just don't choose to pursue those. I, I, I would rather be great and be memorable and do things that matter. And, uh, you know, listen, I'm not one of those kind of people. Nobody's ever going to, when I, when I die and they give, stand up there and give my eulogy, nobody's ever going to say, you know what, you know, Steve kept a clean yard. You know, Steve won the, the Lawn of the Month Club. Listen, I, you know, we get the grass cut around here and we get trimmed up. But listen, 
that stuff's not important to me. I know a lot of people take a lot of pride in that, but that, that's never that's never going to be part of my package and say, hey, listen, that Steve Robertson, he was quite the gardener. Steve Robertson grew some great tomatoes. No, it's not, that's not going to happen because it's a different pursuit for me. You know, and there are other things out there, people that get a lot of value in that, and, and that's great, and I'm not talking down about that. I've got a tremendous amount of respect for the American farmer, and that's growing up in an ag family. I, I do, I get it. But, uh, you know, we're just not the same. And I think that there's, there's value in diversity in that respect. If we all did the same things and all had the same interests, man, life would be awfully boring. So I, I kind of celebrate our differences in that respect. But Born to Run, that's the one for me. Uh, you may disagree. Tell me that I'm wrong. Tell me where I got it wrong. And there are some guys I know that are much bigger Bruce Springsteen fans saying, Steve, you left off this song and that song. And you know what? I probably did. But this is my list. You can make your own list. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, please reach out and let me know. Uh, again, I have several. And there are a lot of people that have sent me lists that I'm not going to do because I had somebody today that said, hey, Steve, what about this band? I'm like, I don't know that I can come up with 10 songs, you know, because I don't even know if that band had 10 hits. Uh, and somebody else said, hey, Steve, what about the top 10 players at Mississippi State that wore the number 15? I don't know that I could come up with 10. I can think of a half dozen pretty quickly, but uh, i got to get some thought into that. So I've reached back out to the rest of people and said, hey, you help me out a little bit. Give me some ideas. But if you have an idea for the top 10 list, I'm always happy to give a swing. Uh, looking forward to, to having the next one on Friday. Listen, Campus Book Mart, again, I, I was here last week. Listen, you got to go in there and mask up. But listen, you can even find a Mississippi State mask at Campus Book Mart. Stan, the man, will come out and even visit with you a little bit, but he's going to have his mask on. Stan is being compliant with uh, our executive order from the governor to keep your mask on. Not going to get political here. But listen, you can go in there and shop in a safe environment. They're doing their best to protect you, their consumer, as well as their employees. And so they're happy for you to come by. As a matter of fact, I had some, they told me that uh, I just missed somebody that was in there that bought Stark Villains and uh, was asking about the new book. And we'll talk about that a little bit before I get out of here today. But uh, you can find all those products there. Uh, Miss Kathy Brown, one of the best buyers around. She can find whatever you need Mississippi State related. So visit them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you get a phrase that pays. That's BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And you use that promo code to save shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And again, if you are looking to rep the brand and wear a Mississippi State mask, they can get that for you. They've got them right there on the shelf, ready to ship. And I, I see it in the Facebook groups all the time. People always say, hey, where can I get a Mississippi State mask? Is anybody making those? Campus bookmark, simple as that. And listen, if you have your Bulldog mask, when you see other people ask that, let them know Campus Bookmark can take care of them. So let's talk a little recruiting before we get out of here. Uh, we had a new commitment last night with uh, offensive lineman Gabe Cavazos from Lake Cormorant. We've talked about him on the show a few times. I actually wrote a scouting report on him today. I really like this kid. Well, for a few reasons why. Number one, uh, he's not a big social media kid. And listen, I'm a big social media person, okay? I'm also not a recruit, but, um, you know, it's kind of the lifeblood of our business at times is social media. But, you know, sometimes there's these kids that get out there and say, hey, get me to 10,000 followers or get me to 5,000 followers, you know, get me more people to, to like me and follow my, my content. You know, again, I get it. But I don't know if that really works well in a team concept. You know, if you're, you're trying to you know, have these responsibilities and opportunities uh, to play on a college football level. You know, I, 
I just don't know if begging for followers is the way to go about that. But Gabe Cavazos doesn't do a lot of social media stuff. It's just not who he is. Uh, really didn't want to play the recruiting game. Came and spent some time on campus over the weekend, as you guys are aware. And just, listen, talked to his coaches at home and talked to his parents and said, you know what, I've got everything that I want right here at Mississippi State. Right down the road, I can be close to home. I can uh, go into Metalworks, which is what he wants to do. I can play SEC football. And uh, I can get the degree that I want and not have to go all over the country. I I can represent my home state. And I can be part of uh, an in-state program that is on the rise. Not to mention the fact that he fits what Mississippi State wants to do on the offensive line. Left tackle at Lake Colmoran, I suspect he'll start at left guard and then move out to left tackle over time. Mason Miller has shared with me that's kind of the, the progression of development in this system. It's a little different than you know, what we had with Coach Croom and even Dan Mullen. You, know, you don't necessarily have those square body type kids to play on the interior because of the splits. Basically, uh, everybody but the center is playing tackle. You, you, just, you, may, you may have a guy lined up to your left and to your right, but you're going to play with the same skill set you would a tackle. And so you put that guy on the interior and let him kind of learn and acclimate and mature and then move him out over the course of his career. Gabe Cavazos is a very violent football player. And I say that in the most respectful way possible. This is one of those guys, when they snap snap the football, he gets his hands up and out and controls the encounter. And listen, it's not enough for him to block you and kind of move you out of the way. If he is given the opportunity to dominate you, he is going to. If you lose your balance, you are going to the ground. And then he is going to lay on top of you to ensure that you don't get back up and go make the tackle. Then he'll get up and go back to the huddle, and he'll do it again and again and again. He is a very, very physical football player. And people say, well, Steve, why just a handful of offers? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Lake Cormorant, and and listen, those DeSoto County programs are booming, okay? But Lake Cormorant, kind of out there in the, you know, off the beaten path a little bit, is not necessarily a hotbed for college recruiters. You know, you don't have a lot of kids that have come to Lake Cormorant that have signed Division One. You've had some, but you hadn't had a lot of them. And so this is a guy that would have benefited from the spring evaluation period because of the fact that uh, people would have been on the road and they would have gone to Olive Branch. They'd have gone to, uh, you know, Lewisburg. They'd have gone out there and checked out some of those schools, go to DeSoto Central, South Haven. They'd have made their way around there. They'd have found him. This is a guy that didn't go to any college football camps as a sophomore or a junior. So he was truly under the radar, but he picks up Arkansas State, had some interest from Memphis and offered from Middle Tennessee and South Alabama, and then Mississippi State gets on him. And now there's some other people now that State's offered to kind of been sniffing around a little bit, but he's happy doing what he's doing. So this is a good get for Mississippi State. This is a good player. This is a kid that uh, will stay committed. This is a kid that respects the fact that Mississippi State is a uh, – a team on the rise and a team that has shown him a lot of attention. I like him a lot. It's interesting, too, in a week's time, Mississippi State has picked up three commitments. And it's so funny. We pick up three commitments, and all three of them in positions of need, and then, well, well should we be concerned? No. No, you shouldn't be. 
just because a lot of the players that you know uh, haven't committed yet or are, are maybe going elsewhere doesn't mean it's time to say, okay, well, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like baking a cake. You know, you don't judge it until you've had a chance to cool it and ice it. Recruiting classes are best ranked and evaluated in their totality. We pick up Malik Neighbors last week. That's one we'd been expecting. On Friday, Trevon Marshall commits to Mississippi State. And I've evaluated him, too. We're scouting report on him yesterday. And I'll share with you, too. Listen, they say he's 6'4", 240. He's not 240. Might be 6'4", but he's not 240. He will be, he will be though. Uh, I, I think it's a good get because, uh, listen, a lot of people were excited about the Thomas Davis kid uh, from Lowndes County, Georgia. I was not, and I shared that with you guys. On, I, thought, I thought he was a little bit of a reach, especially early on. Trevon Marshall is a developmental guy that might be a little bit of a reach too, but here we are now. It's August, okay? It's August. We've had a chance to watch tons of footage. We've had an opportunity to evaluate tons of players. We've had an opportunity to, uh, to look at everything available and huddle. And then we go get this kid, and listen, you know, he is a long, lean pass rusher. And uh, one of the things that I love about him is he is a great tackler. He is a guy that really wraps up. There are a lot of guys out there trying to get by on arm tackling and just on strength alone, and they, they have kind of left technique behind. This is a kid you can tell has been coached very well. And just watch him. Go to his huddle video, and you, you can see for yourself. When they do the zone read, he doesn't run himself out to play. You can tell this is a guy that has been very well coached to kind of understand this is your job here. You want to set the edge and turn the runner back into containment. And then you go make a tackle when they try to get outside. And uh, I, I really like the kid. And as some say, well, I don't, why don't we wait and take him in November? But here's the argument then, okay? Then if you wait to November, when he's added another 10 offers, then, people, then the argument is, well, I don't understand. Why didn't we take him when we could? Why don't we take him? We could, you know, because we could make that same. Remember Dylan Spencer last year? And there's, listen, there's no guarantee he wouldn't have begged out of his letter of intent after the coaching change. You know, Dylan Spencer was a kid that wanted to commit to Mississippi State, and Joe Moorhead wasn't ready to take him in December, and we don't take him. And then all of a sudden it's a battle. We get into February, he ends up going to Missouri with Marcus Johnson. You know, the same situation played out the year before, you know. Uh, we had kids that wanted to commit in December, and we didn't take them. The next thing you know, we got a war on our hands in February. We, in hindsight, we said, you know what, if we really wanted that kid, we should have took him in December. And so when I look at this Javon Marshall thing, that's what I ask myself. And so if, we were, if we're going to be sure in November, and if we're sure now, why wait? And there, listen, there are some kids out there that still have some questions. There's no doubt about that. You know, I, I look at uh, you know, some of these kids in the state of Mississippi especially, uh, and some other kids out there, and I say, you know what? You better be careful if you offer him because he's going to commit. So you got to be sure. And if, if you're not sure, don't offer him. If you if you got to go out and see him this fall, then that's what you got to do. But you got to expand your options, and I believe Mississippi State's doing that. I think what you're going to see here in the offensive line here in the next couple of weeks is a lot of new offers. One went out today to Eli Ritchie out of Greensboro, Alabama, from Southern Academy, currently committed to Georgia Tech. Now, I don't know if you guys know much about Greensboro, Alabama. It's a little bit of a culture shock going to Atlanta, Georgia. Starkville, Mississippi, a little more similar to Greensboro, Alabama. So I wouldn't count Mississippi State out in that deal at all. But you're going to see some new options, and you're going to see some new new players pop up on the radar. But listen, with 14 commitments now, we, we officially have 10 spots left. Ten. That's it. And you can say, Steve, well, why not 25? Well, Actually, you only got 23 for 2021, 
and you can count back one in December. So you're gonna, it's going to be a 24-man class at most. So at 14 in and 10 left, and you're going to take three more offensive linemen, you're going to take two more defensive linemen, it leaves you down to five. Now all of a sudden you begin to realize there, there's not much room to, to maneuver here anymore. Got to go get two or three more defensive backs. And that leaves us a couple spots to work with. We'll take another receiver, take a linebacker, there's your class. And so it's not as simple as, oh, well, you know, hey, let's just kind of wait and see. You know, listen, there, it is once the college coaches can get on the road and have a chance to go see kids again, it is going to be a land rush when it comes to offers. So you can run the risk of waiting to offer and then just becoming another offer because that's what happens. And listen, we've done some of that too. You know, we've been kind of late to offer some of these defensive line prospects. And, uh, you know, recently, uh, you know, Ole Miss recently picked up a, a defensive end commitment. Uh, Mississippi State offers him, and he's already a week away from announcing his decision. He'd already kind of set a deadline date. It's a little late to the party then. And the kid's a good player. I mean, I, I listen, and it's, one, again, if you know, you know. If you know this kid can play, go ahead and offer the kid and then kind of work through the process. So uh, this time next week, I believe we're going to be allowing you guys to pre-order Alpha Dogs. Yesterday, they were finalizing the captions on pictures and some letters that are uh, they're going to be part of the, of the book. And uh, some of those letters are going to be um, a little bit explosive, I think. And I think some people are going to be surprised. Let's just say that. Uh, I'm already preparing for that. But uh, the, the book is finished. We've got all the corrections made. It's been laid out. They're finalizing pictures. So I, it may even be as early as Friday. But this time next week, you're going to be able to pre-order Alpha Dogs. We're going to have the URL for you. Going to do something really cool to announce when pre-orders are available. I got something special planned for that, to be ready for that. Something I've never done before, something I'm very excited about. Something that I had to invest some money in, too. Wanted to do it right, because that's why I try to... Listen, I get on the show sometimes and I babble around. uh, But I want to bring you a quality product. And so when I put my name on something... If it's something that I can do, I do it myself. And then if I can't do it myself, I will hire somebody to do a good job for me. And I have done that. And uh, I'll explain more about that once we unveil that. But uh, something kind of marketing-wise for the book that we've never done before. So that'll be out there. Look forward to to sharing that with you. Uh, Again, can't wait for you guys to read these stories. Listen, I love Mississippi State. You do too. Or you wouldn't be listening to the show. Uh, But listen, some great stories in there from some names you know. And, and what's incredible to me, too, is there, there are stories that continue to pop up. And people say, hey, Steve, if you talk to this guy, listen, here's the deal. You know, I know we've got a couple more of these type books in me. And I, I know. You know and we'll, we'll live a, hopefully we'll live long enough to write them all. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I have purposely saved some big names from each book. Because now, now we've got every Egg Bowl win from 1946 to 2019. I've got a personal account from people that played in those games. I've got every College World Series team now, with the exception of three. I saved those three. That's 90, 97, 98. Those will be in the next villain's book. I don't know what we call it. I've saved Don Smith. I've saved Will Clark. You know, we've got a lot of other players that played in some big games that had some big moments that weren't part of the rivalry. And so the next time that I write a Mississippi State book, it's not going to be a rivalry book. And then I, I promise you, too, we're going to cycle back and uh, here in the next couple of years ago, and, and we'll have the sequel to Flim Flam, too. 
I'll have that too. Matter of fact, I'm uh, already working on some of that now. I'm always working on something. Always. Matter of fact, I met with my agent yesterday. We are talking about some of these things and that have popped up recently. And he goes, hey, do you think there's going to be enough there for a book? And I said, hey, there's at least a chapter here. So let's go ahead and get that done. You know, matter of fact, I've already got some chapters written for the sequel to Flim Flam uh, that I was working on before I did Stark Villains. And so there's a lot of kind of pieces and fragments of stuff out there that I'm working on. And uh, my hope is we'll push all that out there in light of day. And for you guys that are unaware, uh, I'm going to have a book of poetry out in the spring. And sometimes people are surprised when they hear me say that. Uh, I was a poet before that I was a sports writer. And so uh, I've got a lot of stuff that I've collected and worked on over the last few years, kind of rediscovered my love for poetry. And I figured, you know what, rather than just have this stuff sit around on, on a desktop uh, folder, I'm going to do something with it. And so that'll be out in the spring. I'm working with some people now, talk to a handful of people about publishing, and probably something that I just kind of do on my own. Uh, because I really, it's it's so personal. I just don't want somebody else to kind of interfere and say, hey, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't, because I don't care. I just want to do it. It's for myself. So that'll be out, and that's kind of where we stand today. But uh, again, anytime that we get a victory in sports, we're going to take it. And today was a victory because uh, we're beginning to take steps again towards college football. And listen, there are going to be good news and bad news days with all this but it's hanging here kids we're going to get through it and i know there's so many people out there that are upset about the statewide uh, mask mandate the bottom line is it's what we have to do and uh listen please and listen i had an, an incident earlier this week not with me personally but something that i observed listen those people that work at your local retail establishments they don't make the rules they're just there like you and i trying to get through the day and make a living. So please, 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 don't take your frustration out on the people at Walmart or McDonald's or wherever. That's a person, okay? They did not get up in the morning and say, hey, let me go find some way that I can inconvenience my fellow citizens. It is, it is, it is the law of the land at this point in the state of Mississippi. And so you can save all of your pre-planned speeches and say, well, listen, you know, there's this study and that says this. It, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And listen, I get it's a personal choice. But the bottom line is this. Those people on the front lines, they're not there for your frustration. And I know it gets frustrating. But the bottom line is if we all showed each other a little bit of respect, we're going to make it through today a whole lot easier. Well, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Friday, hopefully a little bit earlier. Plan to do the show a little bit earlier. Again, it was a busy day for me today. But uh, we'll, we'll be together. Maybe we've got some good news about the uh, pre-ordering the book. Excited about that for sure. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.